Hey, what's going on? Welcome to, wow, it's the second episode of the Vegan Douchebag Podcast. I really like that. <laughs> We're, uh, I have the chance to be sitting with uh, Adam, damn, I forgot your name, Adam Powell. Well, I'll say Pablo, but I know that's not it. So please say your name for the people that are listening that are not French. Yeah, thanks, Nico. Uh, my <laughs> name's Adam Powell. Um, yeah. So yeah, thanks for butchering my name. <laughs> I didn't even try. I, I just choked. I completely, completely choked. I didn't even try. So we were we were having a good conversation before uh, we started recording and I had to stop it because we were going into too much details and I wanted to make sure to capture it. Um, I'm going to run through a couple of things that I find interesting on the bio that you sent me. So oh. you said that you're a theater producer. Mm -hmm. you're located obviously the accent is from the uk but you're in a place called hall h-u-l-l yeah, King, kingston upon hall it's a beautiful city a gem yeah, you're of not, the north you're not biased at all though right <laughs> well i'm not from hull i i, I know uh, i'm a i'm an adopted hollensian um <laughs> i'm from the midlands originally and and hull is in the northeast uh but it, it's a wonderful city full of brilliant vegan independent food places and all sorts so it's great here i love it Yeah, I saw that you were wearing. Uh, you're wearing the T-shirt, eh? Peace, love, mm. vegan. Peace I love like vegan. it. Yeah. I like it. So, theater producer, you're obviously vegan. Um, but the part that I was really, really curious about, and that's what we were starting to to uh, talk about, is the GBS survivor. So, Guillain Barre syndrome. That's the French way of saying mm. it. And You are a survivor and you're also uh, vice chair for Gain Charity. Yeah. And you also, um, you, you spoke about a theater production uh, about GBS, but more specifically yours though, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I suppose that the thing that I'll tell you about uh, GBS, uh, thank you for saying it in, a, in the lovely French accent <laughs> as well. I appreciate that because us British normally butcher it as well. Um, but the, the thing about GBS is every single person's story is different and every, every different, every person that suffers from it has it in a very different way. Um, so what we did um, with the production that we made about the illness was um, tell my story, but also made it relatable, not only to other GBS sufferers, but to anyone that's going through any illness. Uh, so we, we made a piece of theatre that was was about um, uh, like positive recovery, uh, about how how you might be affected by illness and how you can overcome that. Um, so, yeah, but but I suppose you want me to tell you what GBS is, because that's what um, I was going to say before we yeah. get into the actual production. <laughs> It's probably a yeah. good idea that people know what it is. So what is it exactly? Yeah, well, um, like like when we were talking before, one of my passions at the moment is raising awareness about GBS. Okay. Now, the the facts the facts that I can tell you is that only um, one to two in a hundred thousand people um, get the illness per year, so it, it's it's really rare. It's a rare condition, um, but effectively, it's uh, you start off by having a virus of some sort. Your antibodies will. Uh, try and attack that virus like they would in, in any person's body but if the syndrome kicks in it makes your antibodies think that the illness is still there so they keep attacking mm. and the only thing that they can attack are your nerve endings um Yeesh. luckily luckily the nerve endings can grow back um so you can make a good recovery from from gbs but not everyone does unfortunately um 
but yeah, so um, what happened uh, in, in my uh, story particularly is that I, um, I woke up one morning, uh, I describe it as feeling like I had a hangover. Um, but obviously maybe that was the virus or not, but I just, mm. I just felt a bit rough, you know, like, oh, what's going on? And then I started, as the days kind of went on, like it, it just, I never got better from this hangover that I thought I'd got. Um, but then my legs started going numb. Um, and then that numbness kind of started working its way, uh, like up my body kind of thing. Uh, and my feet would be constantly cold and, and like pins and needles and just, I, I knew something wasn't right. And one of the reasons that I'm really passionate about raising awareness is that I, I went to see my GP, uh, uh, my doctor. Um, I went to the doctor's surgery and saw three different ones, actually. Uh, but none of them could tell me what was going on. They they fobbed it off with, oh, you've got a flu and, and maybe it's a trapped nerve. And that's why you, you can't feel any, like things in your legs. Um, but I just kept getting progressively worse and worse until it got to a, a point where I actually passed out I just collapsed um in the bathroom because I was trying to get up to go and have a shower to make myself feel better and I just I went to the floor and then got the ambulance um to the hospital and then even in the hospital I was seen by three different um consultants um and it, it was the third one that was able to go hang on a minute I think it might be this uh, and they did a, a lumbar puncture test which is a massive needle that goes into your spine that's not very nice at all um uh, and obviously they drew the fluids off the spine, did the tests and went, yes, it's GBS. But it, it's not over there. Um, unfortunately, at that point, I still had a bit of mobility in my arms, but but I felt really weak in my chest and my legs. Um, but I, I kept getting worse. And, and the thing is with GBS, they can't really um, treat it. What they describe it as is they manage it. Mm. Um, so they effectively, they keep you alive. Um, but I just kept getting worse and worse until eventually I couldn't move my arms anymore. Um, it, it then went into my face and well, it went into half my face first. So it kind of felt like I had a stroke or something. Um, and uh, it got to the point where I then was unable to blink for myself. And that, that's at the point where um, you, you may have heard it described as being locked in. So I was at a point where I was still, my brain was still functioning, but I could not communicate. I could not tell people what was wrong. I couldn't tell people where the pain was. Um, uh, and unfortunately, obviously, it was the extremities that went first. It started in my feet, worked all the way through my body. And then the next thing it, it goes into are your like internals. And it, it was affecting my diaphragm. Uh, and obviously, uh, anyone that's, that knows about the diaphragm, uh, that's what helps your lungs to breathe. Uh, and eventually, I had to be intubated and put on a ventilator um yeah so it's a scary scary horrible thing but I did promise you that it's um <laughs> uh, it's a positive story uh, it's it's positivity um now it did take me two and a half years to get better after a three-week rapid decline when was that sorry to cut you off but when did this uh, I, I was first I, I was diagnosed in March 2009 uh, and I so went about, from so 11 years ago 12 years ago yeah yeah, yeah. I described it as uh I describe it as, as normal to paralyzed in three weeks. Um, but then uh, it took two and a half years um, to get better. And yeah, so it's just, sorry, one second. Yeah, um, no worries. Somebody told you um, that it's good to have a light in your face makes you uh, look all your, your head looks all shiny like mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, it, 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 I was able to have a positive recovery. I was able to... Um, even though it was such a, a long time, 
there, there were moments obviously when you're laying in bed either fully, fully paralyzed or or when you start to get those bits of movement back from um from being like as you as you kind of going in, into those kind of you've got that mindset of going am I going to be disabled for the rest of my life will I be in a bed for the rest of my life like there's all these kind of thoughts that go through your mind and and I just I, I made a, a point to myself at what at one moment and just went I am not going to let that happen and I worked really hard I did obviously you do physio with your with your um whilst I was in the hospital um but I do my own physio as well like I'd um th there's a joke that we we talk about in the show um that we made which is uh, learning how to smile so I would literally lay in my hosp hospital bed using my face muscles so I'd be able to to get them working again um and uh, then like I used to be able to make my eyebrows go up and down you know kind of a bit very like good the, at that now huh? yeah thanks very much <laughs> but I lost that ability um through GPS <laughs> most people worry about not walking again or but me it was the eyebrows obviously um that's crazy so um but I, I used to lay in the hospital bed smiling and moving my eyebrows. And, and even as the re recovery continued, like I got home and uh, I, I asked someone if they'd get me a keyboard um, as in a musical keyboard, just so I could practice the dexterity with, with my fingers to be able to keep them moving and, and going. I, I'm not musical at all. I cannot play the piano, um, but I just wanted to, I, I mean, I tried to learn, but I didn't get very far. I just wanted to be able to do something that that helped me kind of improve and get better. So yeah, and then in 2016, um, I met with a writer who he well actually a funny story about how it came about. Um, I'm just going to drop this, but I was up for an award uh, for supporting new writing, um, and uh, he was a writer that had nominated. Uh, me um, and we were sat at the awards dinner I, I won the award by the way just just so you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were sat at the the awards dinner and he accidentally kicked me under the table uh, and this was uh, like a few years on but I still have like hypersensitivity in my legs um, uh, and uh, obviously I overreacted when he'd kicked me under the table and he was like what's going on and I says well funny story here's what happened to me and him being a writer uh, he went you know what that'd make a really good theatre production and and from there an idea was born and we we applied for, for funding and, and we did some kind of crowdfunding stuff to to be able to like um start making the show and I brought in a, a brilliant artistic team around me um like absolutely wonderful artists and yeah we made the show uh, it toured to 28 different venues across the UK um and the the, the thing that I'm most proud about is that uh, when it came to the end of the tour, uh, we actually did a, an international live stream. So we, we streamed the show from a theatre in the UK and it, it went out to all the, the different GBS charities across the world. Um, so yeah, so that was a, a real big thing for me is, is that not only was I able to raise awareness of, of such a rare condition here in the UK, but actually to get it out across the world was, was something real special. Can I ask you a very personal question? Because you said something that reminds me of a conversation I had with my dad years and years ago. He's mm. uh, He's been dead of uh, cancer for a few years now, but when he was very sick, uh, he told me he's a, he's a brilliant, like he was a very brilliant individual. And he said that his worst fear wasn't of dying, was to become a, sorry to use that word, but like a vegetable 
to be yeah. able to that the brain does not work at all anymore that you're simply there was that mm -hmm. a fear what, what was your worst fear when when you were stuck in that situation what was did you think about that or it's really the positivity that prevented you from even going into those dark mental places no 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 i'm, I'm sorry to say but there, there were quite a few dark mental yeah. places and i think each stage of the recovery had a different a different variant of it um one of the when i was locked in i mean yeah. that was a real weird time and actually we had fun it was a really difficult part of the show to make because how do you how do you describe that i'll tell you the show isn't like a hospital drama it's not like if you're watching er or, or something <laughs> like that it's not set in a hospital it, it's more of a an abstract world uh, so we had we actually had a lot of fun making the moment of being locked in and because i was out i was high as a kite on so many different drugs because i was in so much pain um and yeah it's just it was just a really surreal moment and i don't really think I had fears at that point, maybe because of the drugs, maybe mm. because I was just so far out of it. Um, but the, 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 there's a, a moment that I, that I can recall about that is that, well, you, you mentioned, um, I'm sorry to hear about the, the passing of your father, but, but my uncle also passed from uh, cancer before I'd got the GBS. And I remember when he passed, we were all stood around the edge of the hospital bed as, 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 he, as he left the earth kind of thing. And like a real like profound moment and obviously really, really heartbreaking and stuff. But the night before I went into surgery to, to be intubated, um, all my family were there, all stood around the edge of the bed, all like real tearful looks on their faces and all you could, I could see the worry in their faces, but I couldn't communicate to them. I couldn't, I couldn't say anything. And literally in my head over and over, I can remember thinking, I'm dying and they're not going to, they're not telling me what's happening. They, they're pretending that I'm going to go down to theatre, but it, it's not. And, and I was convinced at that point that I'd died. Um, but then, uh, and even then, I, I remember uh, uh, the ICU, the intensive care nurse saying to me, well, you're going to go into surgery and you'll be, you'll be given the anaesthetic uh, and you'll be asleep for a few days so you can rest and you won't feel the pain and all of that. Uh, and I woke up the next morning. Uh, I should I should have been out for three days, but I woke up the next morning, uh, and like my my uh, consultant still still jokes about that the the fact that I I shouldn't have woke up, but he thinks that I did because I was worried that I was, that I that I'd died. So yeah, so that was a, a real fear at that point. But then, as I say, as you go through the recovery, fears become different things and. Um, like I, I remember when I started to get better and I was, I was starting to feel a bit more hopeful, but then I was kind of going to myself, like, um, I've got, I've, I've worked as a dancer in the past. I've got a bit of a, a history as a, as a dancer. And I was really worried about, well, what if I can never dance again? I, I play football, uh, soccer. Um, and I was, <laughs> I don't know what you call it. <laughs> um, but I was, I was kind of like, well, what if I can't do those things again? But actually dance is a, a massive thing that helped me in my recovery and the hospital that I was at were really supportive in this. Uh, so I used to, um, uh, I used to work with a, a dance company based in Nottingham and they would uh, have like kind of weekly um, dance classes, sessions, rehearsals, whatever. Um, and whilst I was recovering, I used to go to those dance classes in a wheelchair or with a, a walking frame or with crutches and I join in and do as much as I can. 
and, and I'd used that as part of my recovery and, and that like gave me hope like every week I'd be looking forward to a Tuesday night when I'd be able to go and do a bit of dance and obviously all the dancers that I was working with were really supportive and but but I one of the things with GBS is you get chronic fatigue so I, I'd, I'd go I'd, I'd do about 15 minutes and then sleep all the way <laughs> all the way home kind of thing in, in the taxi or whatever so but yeah but again that's the, the little thing that that makes it positive but but the fears at that point were would I dance again would I would I be able to do any kind of sport or whatever um but then a, a, a real dark place which I don't think a lot of people think about and, and we touch on this in the show is going home from hospital like if you think when like I was in hospital for six months it's yeah. quite a long time um and whilst you're in hospital you've got a, a handy little button that you can press <laughs> in pain nurse. if you want a cup of tea, you know. <laughs> so, but but also when you're in hospital, there's always an element of it's like an element of crisis, I guess. When when someone's in hospital, you think, oh my gosh, they're in hospital. I'm going to go visit them. I'm going to go see them. I'm going to make sure they're okay. I'm going to I'm going to go and I'm going to ask if they need anything. And it's like that's great. But when you get home that crisis kind of goes like obviously I think six months I was in hospital and it was two and a half year recovery so that's like two more years of recovering at home and that 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 drama around it has gone the, the high intensity of being in hospital has gone so people they just stop coming to visit obviously like some friends do and but but also like I'd, I'd go home and then when I was at home like of course my mum took some time off to look after me and all of that. And I'm really appreciative of, of her for doing that. But then it got to a point where she had to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm at home on my own. I've got no one on the end of a button. I can't, I, I was still like mainly using a wheelchair. So I was in a, it, like in a bungalow on my own, trying to get around a house in a wheelchair. And, and it became quite a dark time. And, and I, at, at that point I, I did have to go and get support. Um, I'd, I'd like I'd go for counseling and stuff and yeah it was it was real strange like just because it, it's not a moment that you expect but but one of the things uh, we did touch on uh, gain charity earlier um so gain uh, support people who suffer with the condition and one of the the big projects that they're working on at the moment is how to support sufferers when they do go home so obviously it's having an impact and that's that's a, a brilliant thing um for me so yeah, so there's fears, there's dark places, but they can be overcome. Did you um, did you have people um, tell you their you know their truth? I've had quite a few conversations with my dad when he was dying that I don't know that I would have had in a normal like a regular context if it wasn't for the fact that I know that my time was limited. And if I had to say something, might as well say it now because I probably will never have the chance to say it again. Did you have conversations uh, like that with your family or your mother? You seem to be close to your mother. So mm. did that happen? And I'm sorry if I'm... Uh, no, you dig away, mate. Dig away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you give me space, <laughs> I'll dig. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, I, I love the psychology behind everything that we do. And I love the human aspect. Everybody lives can live the same experience a different way but mm. i love to take the time to just dig at how because because 
I can only I can only imagine your situation. I can only imagine I think it'd be one of my worst fears to be stuck there still conscious. My brain is still working, but the rest of my body doesn't work. Oof. Wow, yeah. that that's that that cannot be easy to get over and it can't be easy for the people around you either. So so do you remember that happening? Having somebody that, that approached you and said something as in you were dying, like they needed to tell you something because. No, it, it's a brilliant question. And, and, and I can see why you've gone with that, but I think I had a fear that I was dying, but I think the doctors had convinced my mm. family that I would be all right. So we never really got to that point of, of, like could this be it kind of thing we never got to that and, and obviously it did happen so quickly like it's not like a, an ongoing illness where it lasts over a period of time like I, I went on a rapid decline and, and it obviously then it, once it got to a point where I couldn't communicate then I don't know like the conversation I can't really remember conversations with people as such I can't really remember going and anyone going Adam, this this could be it. So I love you. I, I, maybe yeah. I would have liked them to, but that would have increased my fears more. And not being able to respond to that and go, "Why are you saying that?" <laughs> you know what I mean, that's like, <laughs> what's that's the doctor gonna... telling you? <laughs> yeah. So, no, there weren't any kind of truths like that. But you, you say about the relationship with my mother. She she was amazing throughout it. Absolutely brilliant. Brought me any food I wanted. Brought me all the treats. All, the, all these kind of things. Uh, there's a reference in the show as well. Um, like, obviously, she's part of the, the reason why I was able to make a, a recovery, as well as all the brilliant NHS staff and, and all of that. But uh, she bought me Superman pajamas. <laughs> and, and so I, I was... I'm right there. <laughs> I, was, I was her little Superman. Um, and, and, and even some of the music that, that's created in the, in the show is kind of inspired by, by Superman. So if people do go and watch it, it is available on YouTube. Um, if people do go, do go and watch the show, see if they can spot where the Superman music happens. So I'm going to have to go check it out now. So you're saying that it's on, because uh, might as well plug it in. You said that it's uh, getting better slowly. Yep. And it's free to stream on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. So... Go, and, and it'll be there in, until YouTube breaks or the internet breaks. It is not going. So, um, so yeah, go and get involved. Share it with people. But like I said to you, I've got a, a massive passion about raising awareness about this horrible condition. Um, and it, obviously, it's been a, a really useful tool for people that have suffered with it. Um, I, I still get messages on, on my social media of, of someone going, oh, a family friend's now got it. Uh, and they go and watch the show and it's a really useful tool, tool for them. Um, but yeah, the, the more awareness we can raise, the better. Uh, one of the, the things that it's really become good for is a teaching tool for, for university hospitals. So, because um, obviously it gives a, a real insight into a patient perspective when they're going through illness and recovery. So not even necessarily just about GBS. Um, so like, I, I know that the doctors have been to watch the show and and tweeted saying I'm going to change my practice because of what I've just seen and like when you're having a, a, an impact like that like it's not just me going oh, I've made a show and it's great go and watch it like it it's had such massive impacts that I'm I'm really proud of good for you I can th th that's great having 
I think it's one of the most important thing. And we go through experiences that are going to suck. There's going to be problematic, but they also made you what you are today. Mm. And if you're capable of taking a small piece of that and helping somebody else, not necessarily having to go through it, or if they do, knowing that there is a way out, knowing that you survived, you went through it and look at what you're doing afterwards, right? Because it's it's one thing to go through it, but knowing that there's something that there's a possibility of a future even after that. Yeah, absolutely. All of those things. I, I do um, volunteer for the charity as well and, and go and visit current sufferers. Obviously, pre-pandemic, we're not allowed to do that at the moment. Uh, but I still will Zoom with people. I'll have phone calls. In fact, most of the time, I find it's not the people that are suffering that actually want to hear it, which is real strange. Um, but <laughs> it, it's it's actually the it's the mum or it's the mm. the wife or the husband that, of the person that's suffering that that has all the questions and all the worries for that person. Um, but it, it's weird. I was um, someone came to visit me in hospital um, when I was going through it, um, and he was a, he was a young lad, uh, a bit younger than me. Uh, and he'd got a, a like a, an early career contract with a, a the local football team, like a, a youth footballer, soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, basically, GBS had ruined that career for him. Like he'd he'd got a, a thing called drop foot, so his his feet had never recovered uh, to, in such a way that he'd be able to to play football again. And he was bitter, and he he hated it he was resentful and and I rem- like all those feelings really stuck with me and I just kind of thought I remember saying to my mum after he left the room I kind of said I am not going to be that guy I'm not going to I'm not going to let it ruin me or define me or or, or any of those kind of things and I'm actually going to beat it uh, or even if I can't beat it I'm going to I'm going to find ways of 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 living my life in whatever way I can I mean thank God, touch wood, whatever. Um, I made a really good recovery and I'm really happy about that and thankful for that. Um, and unfortunately, not everyone does. There are, there are fatalities. There's, there's people that are left with like profound disability. So yeah, I am a lucky one, but, but also I like to think that I'm also a bit of a, a message of hope for others. And not just about GBS, just, just about recovery from any illness. It, it's quite, it's quite um, funny th- thinking about the pandemic and coronavirus and a lot of people that have suffered with it gone into hospitals then have to be intubated and then and they're in hospital for a, a long amount of time and, and then they come out and they they have to recover it's like it's it's there's quite a, a similar a similar thing with that do you do you think as one of the things that i'm noticing as i get older is mindset plays a role on everything there's the day that I realized that the only thing I control in life is my reaction, it puts everything else in perspective, right? Because you can't, you can't change the fact that you got something that could have became a lifelong disability. But do you think that the fact that you had a mindset that you did not want to quit is the reason why you made a full recovery? Do you think it has an impact on it? There's no proof um, in what you're going to say, but deep down, uh, do you think that if you would have been bitter, if you would have been mad at a disease that you can't change, there's nothing you can do about it. Hmm. You think that played a big role into uh, your situation, into your life? 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. I have got no scientific proof, but I think the, the positive mindset had a massive impact on my physical recovery. Uh, and yeah, without a doubt, 100%. But that's just, that's just my experience. And, and like I say, everyone's story is different. But if I'd have been bitter and, and resented it and, and was mad and angry, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have gone, what fun thing can I do today to make me feel better? What, what silly thing, what silly muscle group can I work on today? Can I, can I do the smiling or the eyebrows or whatever? Um, you, you just wouldn't do that. You'd, you'd wallow in self-pity and, and you wouldn't give yourself the push to go. And I, I won't lie, I wasn't 100% positive, smiley, happy all the time. I went through absolute <clears throat> massive dark patches and crying yourself to sleep and all of those kind of things. But, but being able to switch on the positivity when you needed to, then, then that's, the, that's the thing that, that I think got me through it. Uh, and, and I mean, the thing is, like there's, I, I, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical person. Um, <laughs> I just know a bit about GVS just because I've been through it. But there's, there's a, a good chance of recovery anyway. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Eighty five percent of people make a good recovery. I think that's okay. that. I hope I haven't got that wrong. Um, so, like that's that's good odds, right? Yeah. But but there's there's something that that I think about that that young man that came to see me and just kind of think, well, is it his mindset that didn't get him better? But but, but that was also a massive teaching thing for me. Like I say, I have conversations with with current current sufferers or their families and friends and. Like, I never want to go into a room with that person and go, oh, my God, it's horrible. You're going to hate this. This is going to be terrible. This is going to really ruin your life because mm-hmm. that's going to do no good for them. Um, so, But I don't think he, he didn't mean to do it. He didn't mean to come in and, and, and be that kind of, like, negative impact. In fact, maybe the fact that he was negative had a better impact on me. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, no. Sorry, to, I've really waffled on there, but to answer your question, <laughs> I think the positive mindset um, really influenced my recovery. So let me let me uh, switch the subject. I, I got a question for you because you're you're. I, I didn't think about asking that, but I think it makes sense. The when how long you been vegan for? I've actually only been vegan since September, so seven months is it? Did so, you? Did you have a doctor? Did you consult before you did that? Considering you'd have, you've had, uh, is it's a disease, right? Like we'll call it a disease. What you had? It's a condition. Okay. Um, well, okay. well, it's a syndrome. The, the okay. Yes, yeah, syndrome. Head. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I didn't, but I, I mean, I was vegetarian for for many years. In fact, okay. I went vegetarian not long after having GBS because I wanted to just like improve my diet and uh, and all of those kind of things um but no I didn't actually I, I mean one of the things that I do is uh, like at the moment I'm I'm really keen on like vegan nutrition on mm-hmm. vegan fitness I am not an expert in any of those fields and, and I kind of worry that that people might expect me to be um but I I just I just read a lot of stuff and and uh, when I was going into vegan veganism, well, my partner went vegan first, um, probably like over a year ago. So at that point, um, to support him, I went, well, okay, what we'll do is we'll go vegan in the house. And then if I'm out, I might have a cheeky bit of halloumi. Um, but that was it. But then, so 
so actually the transition became easy. I also think that the pandemic made it easy as well because everything closed and you can't go out for a meal and all of those kinds yeah. of things. So all the all the food we're having is um is, is cooked at home or takeaways. But like I mentioned, there's some brilliant vegan takeaway places here in Hull. Um so yeah, like it, it, it's been an easy change, but the, since becoming vegan, like my my world has changed so much. It's incredible. I obviously meeting like wonderful people like you and like uh, like I've got a bit of a, a following on Instagram and and because I, I post pictures of stupid food and whatever, <laughs> um, but that makes other people interested in in me supporting them, and I am absolutely always keen to support people um, i'm constantly using my platforms to promote kind of independent businesses that kind of thing uh, but I, i'm learning so much about activism and uh, and obviously the, the big thing at the moment is seaspiracy coming out and um there's like uh, a local uh, vegan group that are now inviting me to go um to go to a uh, uh, i forgot what they call it a, a ban against fox hunting and they want me to go to one of their rallies to just to prevent a, a fox hunting happening and like I, years ago I would never have even been considered like to be looking at that kind of thing but so going vegan I went I looked real real hard into the nutrition and kind of going well what benefits is going to have for me like my body's been through enough enough kind of crap mm -hmm. so what let me put the good stuff in it so I can get the good stuff out of it but then since changing to, to veganism and and following all the all the, the people on Instagram and, and seeing the stuff that they share, I have learned so much about all the benefits for it. I went I went vegan for health, but I'm now vegan for it all because um, people like to do that, don't they? They go, oh, "I'm vegan for the animals," or "I'm vegan for health," and "I'm vegan for fitness." But yeah, now I, I'm all of the above now. That's normally what happens, I think. Once I did it for the animals years and years ago, and it just afterwards you start noticing like i've been hitting the gym and i've been i fought for years as an amateur fighter so i mm. and i played basketball throughout my my studies so i've always been in shape peak performance i wish somebody would have told me when i was in my teens when i was still competing in basketball before i got into martial art that this would have changed my body that much yeah. I'm I'm almost I'm 39 years old. I still have a six pack at my age. I'm in better shape than most 20 years old. And um, well, I mean, I'm 38, so um, yeah. I, I know what you feel. But I drink a bit too much gin for the six pack, so <laughs> um, let, let's not compare. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but all to say that I wish somebody would would have told me this would have um, touched because that, that that's one of the things that I don't do. I don't preach to people. I don't, most of the people that are not my good friends, they don't know I'm vegan. I don't share that info. I don't feel the need to share because I don't feel like having that conversation with people. I, I welcome the conversation. If somebody's actually curious, I will give you all the nutrition knowledge that I've acquired over the years. But I've never been the a fan of telling people what they can and cannot eat because it's a personal choice. If you're comfortable, if you're if uh, your mind is okay with what you're encouraging, that's on you. It's not on me to change. But if you want to talk about it, which is the whole point of this podcast is hopefully people that are not vegan at all will listen to it and just say, eh, maybe there's something to it. Because you do yeah, post a lot of food on your, on, your, uh, on your Instagram. I do post a lot of food. But, is but that I, you that makes it all? Uh, no, me and my partner. 
Yeah. I, I normally I'm normally put in the caption whether it's it's been made by by me or him. Um, so yeah, but we we both love cooking and cooking for each other. Uh, and in fact, I, I know when he's on a, a bit of a mission because he'll, he'll try and make it the best he can do it because he knows I'll put it on Instagram and and have to go. <laughs> this one's made by Maka. <laughs> so, he wants the publicity. That's, that's the healthy competition, right? Yeah. Um, so, but you're you're absolutely right. Whilst I am learning so much about activism and um, about kind of. Um, being sustainable and, and ethical I am never going to be one that preaches on other people mm. um, if uh, to give an example a, a work colleague has recently been uh, diagnosed with um, diabetes and and he's got uh, high blood pressure and stuff and and it's just kind of gone well actually here's here's a bit of information that I've learned check it out and then I mean, he's he's not gone vegan, um, so maybe maybe my work has, isn't done. But he he bought some some vegan products and mm-hmm. and kind of when I'm going to try and change my diet. There's my boss and his wife. They kind of they they proudly tell me that they have like the meat free Mondays or the, the, at least one one meal a week is is plant based or whatever. So like it, it's small changes like that, which which the more small changes there are, it, it's it's bite sized chunks, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I would never be a preacher vegan. I just share the stuff that, that I love. I share the stuff that I make. Uh, I share the, the companies that I love um, in the hope that someone might go, do you know what? I'm going to try that. I'm going to I'm going to have that vegan takeaway this weekend. Uh, and I know that that works because I get people messaging me on Instagram going, can you that list of places that you put out? Can you share it again? Because we want to try them all. And so it works. It does something. It's the ripple effect. Yeah. They they say be the change that you want to see. Mm. So if you do something and it resonates, people will see that you're happy doing something. They will inquire. If you can, you know the the ripple effect. If you change the mind of ten people by association, they do the same to ten people. So that's a hundred people. Then those hundred people do ten. It's ten thousand. Like it it, it just goes super super fast but sorry it doesn't go fast that's the problem it's Mm. a long process because people need you're not going to convince somebody that's not ready to change no you you won't convince them by shouting at them you you convince them by educating them Mm -hmm. and and that's that's the thing that does take time um but yeah no like you though i i wish i'd known what i know now years ago (laughs) maybe i wouldn't have got gbs do you know what I mean? Like it's it's as ridiculous as that. Like, would my body have not reacted that way if if I wasn't putting certain things in it? Or do you know what I mean? Like it's it's that's crazy talk to kind of think about that. But um, but I, I don't regret that I went through GBS at all. Like I think, like you say, I think it's not that I was an idiot before, but it made me a better person. It gave me a, a much much different outlook on life. It, it gave me positivity. It gave me the the courage and the the um the, the belief in myself to try new things and and I wouldn't be a theater producer without doing it like uh, I, I was working in theater before I got uh, GBS I was working as a freelancer doing loads of little jobs um but actually coming out of the illness I kind of went Do you know what I don't want to be doing all those little jobs I want to work in a venue and I just kind of went I'm going to apply and and I applied to, to work at a venue and then I've now, then I went to a bigger venue and then I went to another venue and now I'm in an even bigger venue. And so, so yeah, like it's, it's definitely changed the outlook on my life and yeah, there's now I'm a... vegan and, and learning more and, and just wanted to take more in and do more. 
it's incredible. One of my favorite, I don't know, one of my favorite psychologists is called Carl Jung. He, he's not alive anymore. But one of his saying is for any tree, for any branches of a tree to reach heaven, its roots needs to be based in a hell. So in order for you to become better, you do have to suffer. Unfortunately, it is such as life. Mm. And your story pretty much because it's amazing. I got to say, I'm very amazed at how you're you're seeing because I, I try to poke around earlier at the bad stuff, but you keep coming back with positivity, but it's good. It's a great, great, great attitude to have in general in life. It's a great, great aspect of you. Good for you. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, like with making the show, maybe there, there was some, I always say it wasn't, I didn't make it for cathartic purposes, but actually I think making the show as well. So not only going through the GBS, but then making the show and having to bring it all back up. I've, I've got a director asking me questions. I've got a writer going, but did this happen? How did this happen? What happened here? Uh, and having to go through all that. And and me and the, the writer, uh, also called Nick, uh, Nick Wood. Um, Great guy, I'm sure. Yeah, he is. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> um, not as strong moustache game as you, though. Yeah, um, mine's getting out of control. Yeah. It's getting but, out of control. But Nick um, always jokes about the fact that when we started, when he started to put to develop the script, we literally spent hours and hours of, of just chats like this. Um, and a lot of that, I, I would be bawling my eyes out and crying. And like, there's been a few times where I've kind of started to feel myself choke up a little bit tonight. But I think because I went through all of that and, of and we we brought it all back up that now it's like it, a, a normal, a normal person, sorry, a, someone else that, that <laughs> suffered from GBS might not be able to talk about it so openly because it's, it's still raw scars. It still hurts. And it, there's still pain and memory and fear and, and all of those things there. So, so maybe me working through all of that means that I can talk about it candidly. Now you faced your demons. Mm. That's what it yeah. is. And I think it's a very important step to be able to look at yourself in the mirror for what you are. Thanks and very much. I'm sure you had a lot of time to think about it too when you were um, when you were recovering. You you learned what you were made of. You know now what you're made of. So that's a great life lesson, isn't it? Yeah. No, definitely. Um, um, it's, it's funny how you mentioned the the, the word demons there. Um, hmm. uh, one of the one of the things that we did in the show was um, we actually cast, uh, so it's me and uh, another actress uh, that's in it, um, and she plays the illness. Nice. So, so she personifies the illness and, and jumps around the stage like a demon, uh, tormenting me and, and winding me up and, and making me not be able to move and all of those kind of things. Uh, a really clever device that, that came out of making the show. So are you trying to say that women are evil? Is that what I'm hearing? No, I'm saying GBS is evil. <laughs> Kitty, who played her, is is bloody lovely. Yeah, <laughs> I like to I like to mess with people. No worries. Um, <laughs> listen, we've been going at it for a bit more than forty minutes. The wow. um, yeah, it goes by fast. I I wanted to keep a few minutes to ask you a question that I always ask the guests that I speak to, no matter the podcast series I'm making, mm. but. If you um, if you had a chance to speak to your fourteen year old self right now, what would you tell that young man? Oh gosh, um, be vegan. <laughs> um, uh, there's something about 
maybe it, it's not about my 14 year old self, but like a, as a the, definitely the veganism thing, but being like when I came out, I, I didn't come out till I was 21 as a, as a gay man. Um, but I wish that I, I wish I was 14 now because of, because it is much more accepted. And mm. I know there's still work to do uh, and all of that, but, but yeah, that's, that's what I'd think about as, as why if, if I was 14 again, what would I tell myself is, is to just accept who you are and, and, and go for it. Be vegan, look after your body. Don't, don't do too many drugs because maybe that's what caused GBS. <laughs> it's not, but it could be like, don't drink too much, you know, all those kind of things. But definitely with what I've learned now is, is be vegan and, 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 and be strong. Good for you. You're uh, I'm sure you're an inspiration to many. Good for you. You have a good heart. Thank you very much. So do you. And a mustache. Good mustache. <laughs> Did you uh, did you have anything else to add? Is there something you wanted to close on? No, I mean you gave the you gave the the stream a plug so people can go and watch that. Um, Absolutely. I, I mean, obviously, people can go go and check out my Instagram. I'm Adam Plant Powered. Um, I, I'm almost at 10k. You know that magical moment. Um, so please go follow because because that'd be cool. <laughs> um, but but yeah, no, just that's it. Like if you're going through a, a tough illness try and stay positive um love the family that are around you because because you're going to need them um but but to anyone else that's just listening yeah go vegan try vegan try meatless monday whatever do a bit of reading that, that's, that's a good way to it. that's a good way to finish go vegan <laughs> <laughs> thank you very... off after that that's it. <laughs> i'll say i'll say thank you very much adam thank you for your time and go vegan Thank you for your time too and your wonderful <laughs> moustache. <laughs> Thank you. Go vegan. <laughs> <laughs>